Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to Elijah Fire episode number 16. My guest today, his name is DeMonte Edmonds. Um, he's an amazing man of God. He's the founder of um, For the Nations Ministry. He's the host of This is the, the He is the host of The This is Freedom Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. And he's also the host of the TV program Highways. Let's bring in Demonte Edmonds. Hey, hey, good to see you again, Jeff. Yeah, you too. We we go way back, you know, a couple <laughs> of years. We do, so. we do. But Demonte, before we get started, I wanted to tell everybody that you actually um, are very knowledgeable on the gift of discerning of spirits, and your ministry is actually one of the first things that God used to show me that I had that gifting as well. So I wanted to thank you for just your obedience to the Lord. Um, This book right here, Discerning Spirits, (laughs) Seven Dimensions of Revelation, guys, is absolute awesomeness we're going to put a link in the description so you guys can buy this um bless demonte's ministry but yeah if you've ever been curious about yeah discerning the angelic dimension the demonic spirits discerning to the human spirit discerning the holy spirit the kingdom of darkness and on and on this guy this book is fantastic i'm actually due for a, a reread i was looking through this last night and i was like yeah i need to and to go back Thank through you. this. So man, it's it's great. It's awesome. So powerful. Yeah. So Demonte, um, if there's anything else you want to add in terms of an introduction that I maybe have missed in my little intro, you tell the people a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah. So I'm here in Atlanta, Georgia with my lovely wife and four children. Our ministry is uh, Freedom for the Nations, and uh, we oversee uh, ministries and churches, helping to equip them and empower them. And then also I travel throughout the country and the world been to about 25 countries, sharing the gospel, uh, equipping leaders, helping to help fivefold ministry gifts emerge into their calling, and mm-hmm. seeing the supernatural hand of God work miracles and prove that Jesus is alive today. So mm-hmm. I'm just excited what God is doing in the earth in this generation. Amen. Amen. Yeah. yeah. And I just realized that I wrote the name of your ministry down <laughs> wrong. I said, founder of four, the, and I was like, I thought there was another Close one. Enough. You had nations Freedom in there. for the nations. You had there nations we in there. That's close. No, we got it. We got it. So <laughs> I had a question before we really get into the notes. Um, I've heard you uh, be introduced as an apostle mm-hmm. before. And I mean, I'm sure you would consider yourself an apostle with the apostle gifting of the fivefold ministry. Yeah. Um, uh, but there are a lot of people who are watching that are going, what is an apostle? I've heard Peter <laughs> called an apostle. I've heard, you know, and uh, for those that, you know, maybe don't know uh, or need a refresher. The fivefold ministry is apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, and pastor. And so a lot of people can identify those other four. Yes. But what I'm finding is there are people who have a hard time identifying, giving a definitive answer on what an apostle is. So what would you say? I would say the apostle is more like a management gift. All of those mm-hmm. gifts uh, have a supervisory role because they're called to equip the body for the work of ministry, uh, bring the body into the unity of faith. And also help to uh, bring us in the bond of peace and into maturity, or which is called the stature of the fullness of Christ. But the apostle kind of is a leader to the other uh, ministry gifts, and they deal with more of a, a corporate vision often, either for a region, either for a nation, uh, for a city, for a territory, 
or it can be ecclesiastical for an organization or denomination. Mm. Um, so one of the things with the apostles, they're really interested as well in taking territory mm. and um, going into territories that have not been um, tapped into by the presence of God, or spirit of God as much. And let me say this, sometimes taking territory, there may be ministry taking place, but sometimes when you're taking territory, for instance, you may have a ministry ministries there, but they're not teaching uh, the prophetic. They're not mm -hmm. teaching spiritual warfare. They're not teaching breaking witchcraft. And so sometimes there's ministries there, but the apostle comes with a spiritual upgrade and elevation. And that word apostle comes from apostolos, which means uh, the admiral, the head of a fleet is a Greek term. And mm. so really an apostle is concerned with mobilizing the people of God, the army of God. Uh, mm. They sh they don't want the believers to be comfortable. They want us to go out and war and contend by faith for what God has promised and for Jesus to receive his inheritance. Mm. Mm. So is an apostle also, can they, can they operate a little bit in the other four giftings as well of uh, the fivefold ministry? Absolutely. So what happens uh, because the apostle really is a multi-functional gift. The other gifts are specialists. The evangelist mm -hmm. is a specialist with winning souls. You know, mm -hmm. I've seen some powerful evangelists and I listen to their message on, you know, salvation and I want to get saved again. A teacher <laughs> is a special. I mean, you listen to some of the old Billy Graham crew say, yeah, I know it make you want to run to the altar. Yeah. Um, the pastor is a specialist with shepherding people. Uh, especially, you know, new believers and helping mature people, disciple them. The teacher is really, really good with taking the scripture, breaking it down, making it digestible. I've heard people teach messages that already knew the topic. And I said, wow, how did they come up with that? That's that teacher anointing. They oh, love yeah. to teach. And then you have the prophet. They move in revelation, dreams, visions, prophetic words, and all of those different things. But the apostle at different times may have to function in some of those different roles. For instance, we see with Paul, when he went into places, he evangelized. Nobody mm -hmm. had preached the gospel there in the foreign territory. Mm -hmm. And then some places, um, I believe he was at Corinth 18 months or two years. Mm -hmm. And he really had that pastoral grace. We had to stay there with his sheep yeah. in the body for a season. And mm -hmm. we see through his writings that he was a dynamic teacher, that mm -hmm. teaching anointing flows through. But then we see where the angels visited him. He got visions and dreams and open like the prophetic realm and prophetic dimension flowed as well. So a lot of times with the apostolic ministry, because you're multifunctional, different graces will show up. Mm, I know so many people are like, oh, yeah. so that was that was great. That was really solid. And even for me, too, sometimes I'm kind of like I kind of have an idea and I could define it kind of. But I was like, it took a while and you did it so much better <laughs> so. <laughs> it's still it's still a little bit more abstract because the other are specialists you can say okay they win souls this person mm -hmm. prophesies but the apostle they do so many things that it's kind of hard to pinpoint they're doing this yeah. one it's sort of like a swiss army knife yeah like bit. a swiss army knife. yeah yeah, man. yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> um well you know we do a lot on this show about you know just getting young people um, exposed to the prophetic, getting exposed to deliverance and things that maybe might be out of the ordinary for what they've been taught. And so it's something that I'm very excited about, um, just making that accessible for people. Um, are, are you, are you a millennial or are you Gen X? Uh, I, I actually fall into the last window of the millennial category. When I looked it up, I'm okay. like on the edge of, I'm Oh like, yeah. I call myself an old head. An old head? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, I fall at the end of the millennial yeah. uh, range. Yeah. So um, we had a great point here, which is the first point. It said, 
Uh, so I'll ask, I'll ask it is uh, what are some of the challenges millennials face in advancing the gospel and spiritual growth that the past generation didn't? I think one of the biggest ones is the influx of social media, television, radio. Uh, there's been this, you know, 30, 40 years ago when I grew up, when you turned on television, you didn't see, you didn't hear profanity. You didn't see boobs. You didn't, you know, mm -hmm. certain things, you know, same sex stuff wasn't there. Yeah. And so now you have all of this imagery and graphics and uh, concepts that are ungodly mm -hmm. or immoral that are being constantly fed into uh, the younger generation. I say this as well. I believe that social media and television has less impact upon those that are 70, 80, 90 years old. Their moral code their concepts of life, their paradigm has already been established, uh, mm -hmm. not only from what they've been taught and raised in, but from life experiences. But those that are younger are more affected by it, whether intentionally or unintentionally, uh, whether you consume, whether you eat becomes a part of you. And so mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the big challenges is to not compromise for the culture. Mm -hmm. Be because there may be a shift towards immorality, ungodliness, lasciviousness with the culture but we need to stay with the culture of the word, the culture of the Amen. kingdom. I think back in the 40s and 50s, you know, when you told people don't do this or don't do that, it was even though they may have been doing it, they were doing it undercover. It was easier to, for, for them to accept mm -hmm. this is wrong because mm -hmm. society, for instance, you know, a lot of television shows now, you know, someone can be in adultery and it's, it's no big deal. Mm hmm. But back in the 50s, it was something super frowned upon. And so mm -hmm. for the church to say this is wrong, it lined up with society saying this is wrong. So it made it easier for people to accept truth. Mm -hmm. Now it's more difficult because the world is saying this is right. And then church comes saying this is wrong. And it feels like we're the minority voice to the younger people. And mm -hmm. so I think it's really a challenge that we have to have just a lot of voice. We have to have just a lot allowed, uh, just as be just as intentional about propagating truth and about sticking to a, a standard that's the word of God. Yeah. Well, one thing that I've noticed too, is it's like, um, it's been kind of a combo effect of like, you know, people in church being too, they're like these no, no topics that you just don't talk about. Or there was a church I went to when I lived up in Portland, Oregon, um, for a season and they did, they were like, we're going to do this whole series on asking the hard questions. And I immediately was like, I know where this is going to go. Yeah. And, and they were like, we're going to talk about homosexuality. We're going to talk about evolution. We're going to talk about what the creation of the universe really was. We're going to talk about all these things. And what they would do is they would go on an attack. They would go, you know, they would go really hard at the, the beginning of the message. And then they would kind of taper back and kind of do this little dance of like <laughs> not even answering any of the questions that they had where it's like, guys, the, the, the world says there's no such thing as absolute truth, but this, the word of God says differently. And we, we need to not be able to shy away from taking definitive stances, doing it in love, of course. Yes. But, and I'm sure you've had plenty of experience with that too, of just seeing those types of messages, maybe from other preachers or maybe churches that you were visiting. I don't know. Um, but have you seen a lot of that yourself? 
I've seen it, not necessarily churches that brought me in. I think they kind of know this guy's not playing. Yeah. But I've seen it where they water down the message because most of the churches that are going to water down the message and they don't want to offend anyone. Mm -hmm. um, they'll rather offend the Holy Spirit than offend the conscience mm -hmm. of people. They're not going to bring somebody that's uncompromising. They're going to try to bring somebody that's, you know, in line with their stance. Yeah. And uh, really, they cheat people. It mm -hmm. seems like they're offering people this liberty you can have your own choice. You can you can kind of go either way, regardless of what the word says. But actually, they're opening the door for people to be in greater bondage. Because mm. anytime there's error, false doctrine, uh, anything that leads to go godliness or contrary to the word, ultimately it gives the enemy an open door to exploit those people and, and lead them into some type of greater bondage. Mm. Yeah, and something that I've noticed too is when people do talk about that or they'll they'll give a really good message on you know you know that a really moving message about you know knowing jesus and a bunch of people you know pledge their lives to the lord and then there's no displaying of his power there's no you know that was the, those were a lot of the churches that i grew up in where i've seen a lot of people that i went to youth group with even some people that i was in missions with these are people i was in the trenches with man wow. in like other countries that just didn't have a good foundation that didn't have anything. And a lot of them are into new age now or are just atheists. Um, and it's really, really hard to see. Um, and these are even some people that I personally discipled on mission trips and, and you know, ultimately people have free will. So you, you can't look at when somebody chooses to walk away from the Lord, you can't sit there and be like, Oh, I, I should have done better. Oh, I should have done. Absolutely. You know, um, you can't do that. Um, unless of course you were legitimately like, maybe you were in sin and you were leading people astray or something, but you know, that was not the case with me, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I've seen that as well, that, you know, people that were on fire or serving the Lord, they walked away. They got caught up in some false doctrine. I think what's really important is depending on the organization, the domination of the group, sometimes they've sent people that really, had a desire to be used, mm -hmm. but they were not grounded in the oh, word. Big time. And I like the way the Lord dealt into my life because the first uh, churches that I attended as a youth, there was no move of the spirit. There was no power of God. There was no presence of God, but they taught you the word. Mm. They taught you the ABCs of the faith. They taught you the fundamentals. And it's just like building a building. You know, if you start to put the windows in or try to put the roof on and you haven't done the foundation, you're going to have problems. Yeah. You may be able to build something, but it's not going to last. And so yeah, the word is really the foundation and yeah. uh, getting those core messages on salvation, on um, the infallibility of the word, of, you know, sin, all of those those foundational principles. We we need to really preach those, teach those, disciple people with those. Because I think now, even if you turn on a lot of Christian television and you listen to messages, we've gotten more into a motivational, inspirational message. Oh, big time more than this is the word of God. This is the foundation of the word. And this is the, the disciple you. And so I think that kind of move has kind of transitioning where, Hey, I can come to church and be motivated and still believe these other things contradictory because many churches or, or ministries don't teach it strongly. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, this is kind of a no brainer, but I'll ask it. So in, from, from your perspective, if somebody is very motivational and they're really good at motivating people, maybe that's one of the natural giftings that they just yes. have but they are grounded in the word is that bad or is that okay 
No, it's not bad. I think all yeah. of us have our specific niche and specific assignment. Mm-hmm. I think about Charles Finney, who was one of the greatest soul winners of modern times. And at the time, he was the greatest soul winner uh, of the 20th century, 1900s, uh, late 1800s. But he said there was many things that he could teach, many revelations that he had. But the Lord told him if he began to teach them within his ministry publicly, he would lose the grace for his mm. primary anointing. Mm. And so I believe we all can be capable in certain areas, but we have this primary anointing. Uh, but the church as a whole, I think we need to make sure that, yes, we're inspiring people, we're motivating people, but let's really dig into the word and disciple people and lay a good foundation as mm. well. This just That's needs to be a good balance. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just realized I was reminded that I, I had said there was kind of two, two factors kind of playing. Obviously there was like the kind of watered down message and the other one, which kind of plays into the same thing. It kind of comes from the same place, I think is a desire to be liked. And I think that I know that I personally struggled with that, you know, where it was just like, I, I don't want to make waves and I don't want to, you know, and like, especially when I was younger and just like, um, and that's shifted a lot. Uh, but that's another really big problem that I've seen, especially with young people. And it's not isolated to young people. There are plenty of people who may be more advanced in years who are going, yeah, I struggle with that as well. You know, uh, but that's definitely another problem as well. It's just that whole desire to be liked. So, yes. I think that's major, especially here in America, having traveled to so many countries. Mm-hmm. I want to say that in ancient times, when I say ancient New Testament times, you know, a few hundred years after or a thousand years after when you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and became a member of the way or a member of the truth or a Christian, as they called it from Antioch, mm-hmm. you already knew that you were going to be ostracized, alienated and persecuted by possibly your family, your community, your local economic structure, your, your, because to become a Christian, you were joining a minority that was really frowned upon. And that still takes place in places like China, India. So when they become Christians, being lack is already out the window. Mm-hmm. But here in America, we don't have that dynamic. Yeah, You can become a Christian and you're, you're not persecuted, ostracized, alienated. So you never really have to break with the mindset of, hey, I can still be lacked and I can still be accepted. But mm-hmm. in ancient times, in biblical times, and in many other third world countries, it's still the dynamic that when you accept Christ, being like this going out the window, you may right. be persecuted instantly. Yeah. And I, you know, something that I used to be, I used to be very um, ashamed of living in America for that reason and being wow. a Christian where I'd be like, oh, I just like the people in Iran or, or in China, like you mentioned, um, you know, they're the real Christians. You know, and I realized the error of my ways, but what would you say, DeMonte, to, to maybe a young person who's looking at it and maybe is just like feeling that where they're like, yeah, the, the people in Iran, they're, you know, they, look how they're standing up for their faith. They're, they're being bold. Um, but we're here, you know, it's like we didn't choose to be born here. Right. Yes. So what would you say to people who were, who were born here, who, who aren't being persecuted in that way? What would you say to them? Um, especially in contrast to the people in like Iran who are maybe being a little bit more persecuted. I think, you know, God puts people where they need to be. It talks about in Esther, she was born for such a time mm-hmm. as this. And so not only have you been born for such a time as this, you've been born for such a place as this. And so not having those pressures gives you liberty 
to not only advance the gospel and kingdom here, but also gives you liberty to help those in those countries. And sometimes there's access to resources, uh, there's access, whether legally. Um, like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash donate. Now, back to the show. You know, there's been Christians that have been jailed in countries and people got legal aid here in the U.S. to help them. Uh, there was a gentleman that went to Saudi Arabia, and I don't know if she said this, but well, it was a few administrations ago. President Bush, um, the, the son during his first administration and the CIA, worked with this gentleman from the U.S. and helped to get like 20,000 Bibles into the country. Mm. And so I think even though they're being persecuted there and it's a different atmosphere, God's put us here for a purpose. Mm. There's things that we can accomplish that they can't accomplish at a speed that they cannot accomplish because of the lack of persecution. And also we can be a benefit to those that are under pressure in Mm. those different places. Yeah, that's really good. You know, and I think that it's, it's easy to look at, obviously we're kingdom minded people, so we're not going to sit here and be like, talk about all the, the pitfalls or whatever of, you know, young people. I think that I've noticed a lot of programs have done that where they're like, Oh, millennials are this. And they need to, you know, they (laughs) just want to like sit there, even own millennials. will just sit there and talk about the problems. So your next point is actually a really, really hopeful one. And it's really, really good. And it's, what are some of the opportunities present for millennials and Gen Z and, you know, anybody that were not available to the past generation? One is social media is super big and you will typically find that younger people are better at gathering followers or accumulating father followers on social media than older people. I don't know too many 85 year olds, 75 year olds that have big social media, that they're social media influencers mm. or stars. I'm sure there's a few, Yeah, I'm uh, sure. but I'm talking, about, I mean, if you're <laughs> an actor or a singer or somebody you already know, but I'm talking about just pure social media influencers because of the creativity uh, because they understand the trends that's taking place and they already tapped into the trends and that's part of it. So they really have an opportunity to get right into people's homes, right onto people's phones, right onto people's tablets and laptops, and not only bring the gospel and bring the word of God, but I've seen so many young people do it in an untraditional way. I've seen them talk about fashion and clothing, and then they stop and talk about God. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one actress that's on this television show called uh, Black Lightning. She got off of the show and she's doing like some ministry stuff. There's just so many avenues and creativity that young people can tap into the trends and creativity and reach people just in a different way. Mm -hmm. Secondly, this generation, what I'm noticing, they're more thinkers. Mm -hmm. You know, in the past, when I say past, especially I'm going to look at probably the 60s, 70s, 80s, you could just say, my parents told me. A was A and B is B. I'm going to go with it. Teachers told me this, but there's really an access to information. Mm-hmm. We're really in the information age and uh, Google, Wikipedia, yeah. YouTube videos. Young people can think for themselves and they can research. For them. They can get information like that. So with that, I really believe that there are going to be some young people that even come along and come up with systems, technology. Uh, uh, paradigms, ideologies, that not only we can advance the gospel, but we really can build some sustainable systems that go on for generations. Mm. And I think about um, one young lady that's just a creative thinker. She was telling me about building kingdom ecosystems and what that would look like Mm. and building this kingdom community 
that goes beyond just we gather for church, but we actually we're sustainable, even though we're going out into the world and preaching the gospel. Wow. I mean, sustainable economically, because mm -hmm. most Christians, we still have to go to the world to get bank loans. Yeah. So I think the young people are going to come and do some things that are going to be just mind blowing and things we never even thought of. And God's going to give them the grace to do it. And because they're they're not only people that have faith, they're thinking outside of the box and they can research and they can, you know, they're not bound by the limitations that some of the limitations we had. I think they're going to do some things that really help to transform society. Mm. Yeah. And it's really interesting, too, because in your the the first question, there was some pitfalls, which was social media and devices and things. Yep. <laughs> but also those are opportunities as well. And it's just interesting. You can see how Satan is grabbing one, grabbing it and distorting it versus what God would like to use it for. Yeah. Just to reach multitudes, even from our homes like this. You're right. You're right. You know, anything that's been created, God created it. And the enemy always wants to come in and pervert it. Mm. You, so, you know, a lot of things are not bad. It's just how you use it and who you're using it for. Yeah. Yeah. So um, kind of with both of these things kind of combined, um, I'm a big fan of this, which is looking to the past generations for wisdom. Um, a lot of the great theologians and even, you know, evangelists of the day. Um, you know, and I, but there are a lot of people that maybe are very isolated in right now, you know, and um, so what would what would be some wisdom that this generation, these younger generations could gain from past generations? Wonderful. One one thing is that I've noticed in past generations, we built ministries around personalities. Mm -hmm. And when those personalities, unfortunately, maybe fell in sin or didn't have a legacy plan to pass the baton of their ministry on to the next person because they figured, hey, I've been operating at this high level for so long. It's, it's always going to be this way. One, uh, we need to build ministries, not so much around personalities, but around vision. Mm, that's really good. Two, we need to start uh, preparing those that will take over those ministries or, or take the next leg of the journey because God told Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. It's your turn. But Joshua was in place. Um, three, there has to be a people, not, a, not just an individual, but a people that we've poured into that our life can continue to some degree through them for mm -hmm. the glory of God. That's and so then for cool. one of the, the things that I've saw just studying many of the past generals of God, a lot of them were loners. Mm -hmm. There needs to be community. We're stronger together. Uh, one can put a thousand of flight. Two can put ten thousand of flight. I don't know what ten can do, but it's it's a big number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know this community and those that really are we call it finding your tribe. Those that have the heart of God and God's kind of speaking to them in the same lane and vein mm. uh, that He's speaking to you. There's always a, a group, a remnant within the remnant that you're supposed to be attached to. Mm. Another uh, lesson is to be quick to repent. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Secret sins become public when people do not repent. Most of the people that were exposed and failed, God didn't just allow them to be exposed and fall the first time they did something. 
normally they were doing it over a prolonged period of time and God was dealing with them. God was speaking to them. God was telling them repent. He sent people privately to tell them to repent. They wouldn't repent. And then the grace, because they frustrated the grace of God, the hedge was removed. So we have to be quick to repent and we have to really have a heart to live right and to live mm -hmm. clean and okay. to live pure. That's really the only way to finish well. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a very important uh, lesson as well. And then another one is a lot of the old, I call them the old time. I love reading the old saints and how they operated. They had a real dependency upon God. Mm -hmm. Sometimes because we have the technology or we have the money, we have the bank account, we have the credit card. We have a dependency upon God, but it's almost a supplemental dependency. Yeah. <laughs> we have to learn, we have to learn to go to God first and really surrender to him. You know, I think of John G. Lake who went over to South Africa and uh, in six years, he started 500 and like 25 churches and 200,000 salvations before any television, radio, any of those things. But before he left, he, he, he was a businessman and he was a, you know, insurance company. And he would have been a millionaire. And God told him to sell all his furniture, sell all his stuff, and not to keep the money. He had to give it away. He only left for like small sum of money because mm. God wanted his dependency to be so much on him that his surrender was so great that when he got to South Africa, it was explosive. Man, and yeah. there's been several others that, you know, God told him to sell everything and don't keep anything because you're going to depend totally on me. I'm going to teach you, you know, I'm going to really teach you faith. And I'm not saying that you should do that. But I'm saying you should be open that mm. our dependency has to be upon God to build. Because mm. when God builds the house, it's going to yeah. last. And to be obedient, you know. To be obedient. Yeah, yeah, and God could, you know, not, God could want you to become a millionaire so that you could then pour into different things. So it's not a one size fits all. And I think that I know in the West, our minds can very much so take something and then go, okay. Yep. This is the one size fits all answer for everything, you know, and which has not helped us at all. So, so. so Jeff, I think this, that you can be on the side of the coin. Maybe he'll tell you sell everything and go and I'll be on the millionaire side and he'll tell me like, get the money and. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <Which one? laughs> um, yeah. So um, are there. Um, are there some people you would recommend to, you know, look at the lives of? You mentioned some people from the past. Are there a couple of people that come to mind? Obviously, you mentioned John G. Lake. Are there a couple of others? I really like Lake because he really had uh, a revelation of the working of Spirit of God um, as well. Um, I like Amy Simple McPherson mm. because she really had to break some some modes being a woman that was not just a ministry, but very public in ministry. And every time they tried to find dirt on her, they would, you know, look through her window and peek through her window, spout. They said she's in the house writing sermons, praying. They couldn't find anything on her. Also, one that we don't hear about a lot is Billy Sunday. You know, he was oh. very consistent and uh, just lived a clean life. And God really elevated him that he was like a celebrity during this day. Billy Graham's another one that he really set some some one thing about Billy Graham. Uh, he said that he didn't even get in an elevator with women he didn't know mm. alone because he didn't want any scandal because he was it's such a public place that, you know, somebody would try to put a scandal or something upon him. And he really stuck to his assignment. And there are so uh, many others. Another one is Dr. Lester Summerall. One thing I really admire about him was that many ministries thrive doing certain moves of God. 
And when the next move comes in, they kind of disappear off of the scene. Mm. I'm going to use Branham. Branham was a powerful prophet, powerful man of God, very humble man. Uh, but we see him doing a voice of healing revival, which was like from 47 to about 56. Mm -hmm. And then you really don't see him after that. And so a few mm -hmm. others like that. You see them doing certain moves. Daddy Seymour, Charles Perm, when is the, the outpouring of Pentecost for Azusa Street. And then you don't yeah. see them. But Summerall, he was there uh, through the latter rain, through the charismatic movement, uh, through the beginning of the prophetic movement, through several, about five different uh, shifts within the body. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we have to do is not get tied into a move, but stay mm, with the movement good. of God that's as so God good. transitions us into maturity. Yeah. And I think also too, to hit back on the point of forming a ministry around a vision versus a personality is, you know, especially last year, I was, you know, in my times with the Lord, I really felt like, you know, I was praying for the Elijah list. I was praying for, a, you know, Whenever, whenever God brings along a successor for Steve, because Steve is going to go down swinging. Um, <laughs> but um, Steve works. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah he, he does. He works. Um, <laughs> but I was, you know, praying for that, and then I heard very clearly the the Lord stopped me. He said, "No, pray for successors, plural." Wow. And then he was like, and then he showed me the whole world and all the ministries in the world that God's desire is to multiply, not to just create the next figurehead obviously you're going to have a person of leadership yes. you know that's driving the ship you know whatever but i thought that was really profound and then i started to see prophetic words really see maybe you released one i'm not sure that was like god god wanting to do just that multiply and also to rise it was the rise of the nameless faceless people the people that have been diligent in the in the shadow you know out of out of sight of other people in their homes, you know, in their prayer closet, that God is elevating a lot of people onto platforms now that nobody knows, um, yeah, and, right. and, yeah. and to to bring Him glory versus, oh, look at this, you know, that for the temptation to be there for somebody to be like, ooh, ah, to like as a specific <laughs> individual, so definitely because yeah. it's an outpouring on the body of uh, of Christ. And when you said successors, I thought think about when the great General Kenneth Hagin passed. There was this debate, well, who's going to get his mantle? And his son got up, and I remember he said, you guys have been debating who has the mantle. He said, no one person has it. And he's the son. He said, everybody that's followed, that's sold, that opened their heart, is being poured out on the body, mm, not for so an individual. Good. And that killed that argument, but it, go to, it, it went to show that his impact and influence was so much that one man couldn't run with the anointing, the vision, mm -hmm. the heart that he had. And so yeah. God's multiplying, like you said, and that's very powerful. Mm, so good. So um, with young people, um, the you know, there's an importance for embracing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it's something that I've noticed is on the rise. God is clearly moving in young people. However, there's still a lot who are like, no, I just want to, I just want to like stay in the pew. I just want to like show up on a Sunday and then I want to go home to my life and I want to do my thing. So uh, why are the gifts of the Holy Spirit important to Monte? <laughs> well, I want to say this and I'm going to say this from a young person perspective. Yeah. 
Christianity becomes more fun, more cool, more exciting when you allow the Holy Spirit to operate Amen. and flow through your life. Amen. That's just the, the yeah. natural side. But they're important because they make God real to people. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're debating with a person about their religion versus your religion, when you pray for them and they get healed, they're going to cry and call on Jesus. Mm -hmm. Their God couldn't heal them. Their doctrine, their belief, their whatever mm -hmm. couldn't heal them. When you're um, <laughs> when a person is in some type of bondage and this thing is really weighing them down emotionally, whether they're young, they're old, it doesn't matter. And you go to them and said, the Lord showed me through discerning of spirits that this is the root of it. And you pray or you use your faith and that thing leaves their life and their life changes for the better. Mm -hmm. It's going to make Jesus real to them. Mm -hmm. When you go to a person, you know, out on the streets or wherever, and God works a miracle for them and a tumor, uh, disappears or some type of miracle happened it makes god's god real you prophesy mm -hmm. to someone about a situation in their household a situation another young person you're talking to them and you tell them your father did this to you at, at six years old seven years old through the gift of prophecy or word of knowledge they break down and weep and cry and they've been waiting for someone to say god sees you not only do i see you but god sees you mm -hmm. and god is big but he's 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 so big that he's small enough to come down and identify those areas of your life in detail. It makes God real to people, mm. the gifts of the spirit. Man, that's so good. So what would you say to somebody who uh, say they're like, okay, I hear you, DeMonte. Okay, yeah, I'm going to go out. I'm going to start praying for people. And they're not seeing anything happen. What would you say to those people? I would say I started that way. The first 70%, 80% of people I pay, pray for, uh, nothing happened. And I remember one time I prayed for this lady fervently and she called me and said, hey, remember you prayed for this condition I had? I said, yes. And I thought she was going to tell me she was healed. She <laughs> said, it's gotten worse. And my faith was so discouraged. But I want to say this, that God looks at your faithfulness. Mm. And also your faith is like a muscle. When you first go into the gym, mm. if you haven't been lifting weights or you first go into tennis court, you haven't been playing tennis, and you try to use, you're going to be hurting the next day. It takes time to develop your faith. Mm -hmm. It takes time to develop grace. And God honors your faithfulness that over time he will increase the grace on your life. And I went from maybe if I prayed from 10 for 10 people, maybe one got healed to maybe two, two out of 10, then maybe mm -hmm. four out of 10, maybe six out of 10. So over time, it increased the frequency of the healings but also the magnitude of the healings and miracles. Oh, but yeah. you have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And also God often won't start you at the top because your pride will come in. And so That's God good, man. sometimes will allow humility uh, to work its, work its course too in your life. Mm. Man, that's so good. And were there, were there times where you went up to somebody and you even had a correct word of knowledge, but then nothing happened? Has that happened to you before? Yes. And, you know, you try to because I've heard people say, well, God reveals, he heals. I've seen so many times, not only for myself, for others, that's not always the case. Um, sometimes because you're gifted and you're in a certain atmosphere, you'll just pick up on stuff. But you have to wait on God for the wisdom because mm -hmm. God may actually want to heal it. But maybe that person needs to forgive somebody first. Wow, yeah, that's maybe crazy. that person hasn't stopped the secret sin. Maybe that person needs to put down cigarettes. One time I was praying for this uh, when I was pastoring. A lady came up three times, not the same service, but different times for mm -hmm. prayer for a church. Each time she said she was getting healed, her lungs were getting healed. And the third time I stopped 
And the Lord said, ask her what she do for a living. I said, what do you do for a living? She said, I, I clean people's houses. And I said, well, do you wear a mask? She said, no. I said, well, that's the issue. You're cleaning houses, breathing all this stuff in, this dust and debris, mm. and, the and you need to wear a mask. God's healing you, but you need to apply some wisdom because mm. he's not going to keep doing this if you're going <laughs> to. That really happened. There's the rub. Yeah. Um, so there was one story I heard you say one time that I was like, what in the world uh, was Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash donate and become a partner today. This woman came up to you and I think she was in a wheelchair or something. And you were like fired up. You were going to pray for her. You're going to walk and you're going to do all this or something specific. And, and, and then you remember she this story? Me. She stopped yeah. me. Yeah. Tell that story. It's <laughs> just wild. It was a Sunday morning. And uh, in prayer, the Lord told me he was going to work miracles that day. And my friend, uh, another intercessor named uh, Joan, who's a prophetess from New York, called me and said, God's really going to use you that day. Now, I'm attending a church. I'm not the pastor. I'm one of the, mm -hmm. the, the ministers there. So they call on me in the service. And I already knew I was going to be called on. And everybody I prayed for were getting instantly healed, getting hit by the power of God. There was one woman. I walked up to her and uh, I prayed for her. I looked at her and she was in a wheelchair, an uh, older um, African-American woman. And I prayed for her and just for pain to leave her body. And then I said, well, let me pray for you. Get out of this wheelchair. I had faith. I felt the anointing. I was fired up. She put, she pushed, put her hands up and she moved the wheelchair back. So I went to get closer to pray for her. And she was like, don't do it. So after the service, she told me, she said, she was praying, said, God, you, I'm in so much pain in my body. And she said, I was praying, God, use that young man in healing. Please send him my way to pray that the pain leaves my body. So she got the answer to her prayer. She did not want to get out of the wheelchair because she was getting a lot of government money for disability. Man. And she believed that if I prayed for her, she would have got out of the wheelchair. She mm. just wanted the pain going. Because <laughs> one yeah. thing to believe is another thing to receive. Mm. Because the Bible says even the demons believe in trouble. They believe in the power and name of Jesus. Yeah. But they're not trying to receive. Yeah. It's just crazy. I mean, so I think it was just a great lesson in like, if you don't see healings, say you've prayed for 300 people, you haven't seen a healing yet. <laughs> it's not, it's not always, it's, it's not always that God's like, well, I need to, I need to form you in this season and I need to. Sometimes it's that like people are like, no, I don't want to be healed all the way because yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? Like, it's crazy. So, um, okay. There's a man, there's so much we could talk about, but there's a point I really wanted to hit because obviously it's October 31st. Um, uh, before the show I'd asked you, and so we'll just kind of jump right into it. Um, have you had a lot of experience with, um, dealing with witchcraft? Yes, a lot. Um, having traveled to a lot of, uh, first having an apostolic ministry, deliverance ministry, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yes, here in the U.S. and then in Africa, the Caribbean, India, yeah. Asia, all different places. Anytime that I find that the power of God begins to show up in your ministry, witchcraft begins to uh, be exposed. Either witchcraft oper operating secretly or witchcraft trying to challenge the presence and the power of God. Mm, yeah. So um, are there a lot of symptoms let's talk about symptoms to help people identify if in fact they are experiencing an attack from witchcraft or you know whatever 
um, what are some symptoms that people may look at and they may go, oh, that's just this, that's not whatever. And so they don't think anything of it. Um, so, and then also how to deal with some of that stuff as well. So talk wow. about that a little bit. One is a, just a, a feeling of dread just comes on you for no apparent reason. Mm -hmm. I've, you know, I've seen it where people just start to feel fear. You know, witchcraft operates with the spirit of fear. They start to feel this fear and trepidation come upon them for no reason. Another one, they'll get a lot of migraines and, and headaches um, and dizziness. A lot of times people will get dizzy. And as well, uh, a loss of time. You know, I don't know what happened in the last 20, 30 minutes. You can't remember huh. what happened. Yeah. You know, you're getting dizzy, you're getting headaches, you're getting a loss of time, you're getting e evil uh, trepidations or feelings. And then as well, the dreams will begin when a person is under a witchcraft attack, their dreams will begin to become more dark, more mm. sinister, and either someone's chasing them. Um, now, now I'm talking about just regular spiritual warfare, where it's three or four nights straight, somebody's chasing you, they're trying to feed you food in a dream. Yeah. And then as well, uh, people often will feel like they're being taken out of their body at night. A lot of times when people are under witchcraft attack, there are certain attacks that people use to uh, try to separate people's spirit body and they'll see themselves with strange people trying to do strange things to them or give them strange things or br bring them into some type of oath or covenant or pact. Mm. It just really gets deep. And so those are some of the, and then misfortune, just okay. misfortune begins to follow people that are under witchcraft. Wow. Just, okay. just a string of misfortune. That's mm -hmm. another major one. It becomes like a cycle of misfortune. Mm -hmm. And if the witchcraft is long and drawn out, like, it's being done to a person for seven or eight or nine or 10 years. You'll see these cycles like a woman that she's had six miscarriages wow. or a guy. He's lost 10 jobs back to back to back. You know, you'll start to see these uh, uh, really evil type of uh, cycles. Mm. So then how does somebody identify when something is more than a headache or more than a miscarriage? For example, how would you identify that that is in fact? OK, yeah, this is witchcraft. One, ask the Holy Spirit. It's something about when you ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what is this? You know, I've had it where somebody, was, and this was a, a, a prophet's wife. She was telling me she keep getting these headaches. And I said, you're not drinking enough water. And and the husband looked at her and said, I've been telling her that. <laughs> she never drinks water at all. She hates water drink. Um, and those were the headaches were coming from. Yeah. But then I had it where I just looked at a person. And when I looked into their eyes, Witchcraft also brings a spirit of confusion. Mm. It's hard for the person's mind to stay focused. People under witchcraft attacks cannot, it's hard for them to stay focused. Mm. I looked in the person's eyes, I just knew witchcraft was on them. I commanded it to go, and all of a sudden they started to purge, never touched them. And so, uh, ask the Holy Spirit one. Two, you can take authority in Jesus' name. And if something's there, and you say, in the name of Jesus, I command witchcraft to break off my life. And you start to feel like something's coming up out of your belly or you feel like something lifts off your head or, you know, you feel a cold draft leave out the room and, you know, the, the heat is on. It may be very well something that's there and that's broken. Mm. And so even if you're not sure, you can be better safe than sorry. You can use the name of Jesus and the power mm. and the word of God. Speak the word of God and, and command it to leave and break off of your life. So you could have, as a Christian, um, that say you've come under a spell or an attack or whatever. Could you, uh, when you're when you're rebuking whatever it is, 
could you actually see some kind of a physical manifestation, even though you're saved? Like you were saying, you know, you feel like something coming up out of your belly or whatever. Is that typically somebody who's in agreement with it? Um, no. Okay. I've seen people that were Christians that were bewitched. Wow. They they didn't know that their aunt or their uncle or their relative uh, was doing something against them. And because of this thing had been coming against them so long, see what happens. If you start to hear noises in your house and get these crazy tormenting dreams, it wears you down over time. And then fear comes in. And so even though you may not be in agreement with someone bewitching you, fear is a frequency for the kingdom of darkness. Mm. It, so once fear and anxiety comes in, it's this open door. Now these other spirits and entities can come in that can oppress you that you may need deliverance from. And I've seen Christians, ministers, pastors, all types of people have some type of purging or manifestation. From these things. Yeah. yeah, that's super interesting. So uh, wh what you're saying is if a Christian is, is coming, has come under attack in this way, they shouldn't feel ashamed of it. No. Hmm. They shouldn't feel ashamed. And as well, um, there's something about being full of the word of God and just keeping your prayer, your prayer fire intense. I believe it creates this invisible barrier or shield that a lot of not just witchcraft, but demonic attacks almost they try to come, but they just they can't get through. Hmm. Yeah, it's like a force field. Like a force almost, yeah. yeah, like a force yeah, field. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I, I think that's something that I've really noticed, even when I don't quite know what to do i have i have faith in the name of jesus and yes. and there's power in his name and getting myself into a posture of just being in his presence and just worshiping and and a lot of that stuff and as i just pray sometimes i'll read scripture you know that's pointed towards that as well um uh, not that i'm an expert but you know hearing you talk i've just been like oh yeah okay like that's that's good i'm right on the money so yeah <laughs> yeah and, and a lot some of, of it, some some of it will just break. Like if you're really getting in the presence of God and worshiping, it's like Saul. You know, David never cast the demons out of Saul or the spirits off of Saul. Mm -hmm. But when he worshiped and brought in the presence of the Lord, those spirits didn't want to be in the atmosphere. They broke rank and left. Mm -hmm. The evil yeah. spirits departed from him yeah. when the worship and presence of God came in. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, so I'm just looking through my notes right here because I, I, uh, oh, um. Julie, our producer on Elijah streams, I was talking to her and mentioned that, you know, I was having her on the show and she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I love um, Julie. yeah, she's great. <laughs> uh, but she was like, oh, you should ask him um, <laughs> what the spiritual climate is right now. Like if you've had any any feelings on like what the spiritual climate in our country, maybe in the world, if you have something like, you know, pointed towards that, if there's anything you wanted to speak to in regards to that. I think the world is a little bit more difficult so, so many different territories and places. Yeah. Uh, I want to say I feel like there's this increase of spirituality within the church. I'm finding that even in more conservative or traditional ministries, uh, there are more a group of people in the pulpit that are being activated into the things of the spirit, flowing in the gifts of the spirit. Even if the church doesn't embrace it as a whole, there's this hunger that there's more. Uh, but as well, one of the things I think that has died down is the talk for revival. You know, 15 years ago, about 15 years ago, 20 years ago, there was more of this atmosphere 
that we could tap into the next great awakening or we could tap into the next great outpouring in the U.S. And so that's kind of died down this fire for this massive uh, outpouring that will really transform the country. But at the same time, there's an increase of spirituality. So I kind of see that before the Lord sends the big fire, he's stirring up the small fires in the hearts of people. And I really believe that he's preparing an army. Because mm-hmm. if he had given revival 20 years ago and people were really looking for it and talking about it, I think that it wouldn't have been enough of the army of the Lord in position to understand uh, the heart of God and the mind of God and the working of the kingdom to the degree that's needed for what God really wants to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I think the nation is ripe. I just think it just takes the right fire, uh, the right message and love and the right coming together of a core group of people that something can spark overnight. Mm. Yeah, man. And it's interesting because I was talking to my wife, um, I think it was either the last night or this morning about that very thing that you just said about how um, there's a rise in spirituality within the body of Christ, that people who weren't as well, you know, or, or weren't before or even churches that weren't, you're seeing pockets even within there that are yes. are rising up, you know? Um, I think that is so, so awesome. So, yes. um, and I, the, the thing that I've noticed as well to, on top of that, I feel like maybe it's even, and maybe you can speak to this. Maybe it's even that, you know, just people's spiritual sensitivity is increasing, maybe even in unbelievers, because you're starting to see a huge rise in new age and witchcraft, even amongst, you know, or even people that left the church and are now doing that. So have yes. you seen have you seen that as well? Yes, there's a lot of people that are um, going to New Age, going into ancestral worship, going into spiritism, or they're they're attending church and they're bringing in this kind of mixture. And I hate to get back to social media and the information age, mm-hmm. but what's happened years ago? If you wanted to really get into the New Age, you had to go to like Sedona, Arizona, or some you know New Age camp in Florida, some place. Mm-hmm. Or, or some yeah, Eastern country. Yeah, some Eastern country and, yeah. you know, Hare Krishna and, you know, yeah. all the cha- or some guru that came from, you know, some Asian country. Mm-hmm. You had to actually connect in with or get these rare books that, you know, were published by like Lucis Trust or certain companies. But now people can go on YouTube. People can mm-hmm. go on Instagram. They can start following people that look like life coaches. And you find out that they're actually a spiritualist. There's one woman that has good a word- witches. Yeah. Yep. One woman had a very popular television show and she's like, you know, doing coaching for people and doing like therapy for celebrities. But she's an initiated Ifa priestess in the Yoruba um, spiritual religion. And so it, it's coming in in so many guises and ways. And a lot of times the people don't even call it new age now. They call it spiritual. I'm a, I'm a spiritual person. Mm. But what does that mean? And so I really think it goes back into the book of Isaiah in chapter eight, where it says, uh, why why do you seek to those that peep and mutter? Why do you seek to those that deal with the spirits of the dead? Why do you seek to wizards and and mediums and and you know television shows with mediums that's third of a hunger to contact the spirit world? Yeah. Why do you seek to those things? And he says, because the I and the people and the children the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders. And so mm. us as the church, if we don't have the supernatural, if we don't have the move of God, if we don't have the supernatural answers to the problems and ills of individuals and communities, people are going to find them somewhere else 
even mm. if they're wrong, even if they're erroneous. Mm. It's like food. If you don't have a steak or seafood dinner in front of you, you you may settle for, I won't name any restaurants because I would have been, but. <laughs> <laughs> don't offend anybody. <laughs> you may settle for the dollar cheeseburger if you can't get something better. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we have to be the answer. Yeah. We have to be the supernatural answer. We got to be the steak dinner, guys. We got to be the steak dinner. We got to be the steak dinner. So, man, we're out of time. There's so much. Everything we talked about, I was like, oh, man, like there's so much we could explore with this. So, hey, everybody, if you're really, if there was a specific topic that DeMonte talked about that you're really like, let's hit that put it in the comments and we'll uh maybe we'll have demonte back and we'll we'll get into the nitty gritty so um demonte um before we kind of close out i wanted to give you a chance to just pray for people as you feel led wonderful well yeah. father we just thank you for this broadcast we just thank you for mm -hmm. elijah fire and mm -hmm. lord that's what i pray right now god that anyone that has lost their fire that there will be a supernatural restoration of this fire for god Lord, I just pray now that there will be a deposit from the Holy Spirit, that there'll be even a stirring, oh God, that as people even tune out of the broadcast, that they would go into prayer, they would go into worship, oh God. Lord, that you would stir in their hearts, just this hunger to access more of you than greater before, just this hunger to know you greater than before. And I pray, God, that not only would it bring transformation to their life, but to the lives of those that they come into impact or contact with. And we pray, God, that any that feel bewitched any that feel like they're under witchcraft or those that have opened doors illegally from dabbling in witchcraft, new age or Ouija boards. We pray by the mighty name of Jesus Christ that they'll be loose from the strongholds of darkness and that they would receive now, God, a fresh cleansing of the Holy Spirit and those doors will be closed in Jesus name. We loose it now. We decree your favor in Jesus mighty name. Amen. Amen. Man. Demonte, thank you so much. Uh, seriously, you. like, um, I hold you in high regard, you know, and thank I you. think that um, you have a lot to give to the body of Christ, a lot to give to the emerging generations. Um, and so, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you so absolutely. much. So um, how can people follow you? They can follow me on Facebook, facebook.com uh, slash demonte.admins or facebook.com um slash demonte tv on instagram at demonte tv and uh, we have a youtube page as well demonte tv and then we have freedom for the nations you can go to our freedom for the nations youtube page or the freedom for the nations website www.f the number four nations.com mm, awesome and all of that will be in the description down below so uh show demonte some love and go subscribe to his youtube and Thank go you. check out all of his other stuff like I said, we're going to put a link to the book so that you guys can bless his ministry and also be blessed at the same time. Because this is just like a lot of this stuff we <laughs> talked about in here, guys. So, um, again, thank you so much, Demonte. Thank you for having me on. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. So that's our show, everybody. Be blessed. Seek the presence of the Lord. And we will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
You can watch us live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Click the link in the description for more info on how you can donate today.